so you could still hear me. We could be sitting here having an hour-long conversation, mm-hmm. and I could have been on the wrong mic input the whole goddamn time. So, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, let's do it. All right. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that's actually been Mephisto this whole time. Hi, I'm Max. And I'm Mephi- I mean JR. <laughs> uh, I, am al- I, I am also not Mephisto. Nope, <laughs> not me. <laughs> I should have thought my, this bit my... out a little further. <laughs> My not Mephisto t-shirt has a whole lot of people asking questions already answered by the (laughs) t-shirt. Excellent question. (laughs) Next question. Um, (laughs) Are you actually Mephisto? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah. WandaVision, huh? Yeah. I enjoyed the... I, I I think the more and more I think about it, I enjoy the hell out of it. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go into spoilers necessarily. No, no, no. Let's just so, just so we're clear. It's just a gen, as a general. What did I like? I liked its theming, mm-hmm. and I liked that they stuck to it. Right, like the it and it caps it off. There's a line at the very end of the finale that really just caps off what the theme is and means and that they that really sticks the landing for it and uh i thought everybody did a really good job the production's fantastic the finale is a lot more what you kind of expect from a marvel product um as far as production um but that's to be expected i mean this was the fight this was the showdown um and uh, how does my my girlfriend loves Darcy more than anything else in the world and would kill for her? I you know I liked Darcy in this. I've never been a big fan of her character prior to now. Right. She. I'm I'm kind of in the minority in that I don't really like Kat Dennings. Uh, she's fine, and I'm not I'm not generally going to. She's kind of like Anna Kendrick for me in that I don't I don't hate her. Uh, it's not like I turn something off because she's in it, but nor do I share in the love to the same extent that everybody else seems to have for them. Uh, but I did like her in this. Um, but whatever. Uh, there there is a lot to be said. Because this is a conversation that's occurred a lot that I've seen since the finale air was posted. And that, you know, my my mother-in-law were ha- and I were having this conversation uh, last week. Um, you know, and the, the gender... The gender stereotypes implicit in the fact that powerful women in these movies 
tend to go crazy because of their emotions. And that does not happen to the men. Um, you know, and you've seen this, you've seen this brought up not only with Wanda, but also with Gene in the, uh, in the X-Men franchises and stuff like that. Now, you know, what I was, what I was telling my mother-in-law is that, you know, when you look at the comics, any character that has been around for any length of time has gone insane at some point. It's a, it's a thing that they do, you know? And so when, when my mother-in-law brought up with the fact that, you know, Thor is powerful, but we've not seen him go insane the same way we see Wanda, the same way we see Jean, things like that. It's like, well, he has in the comics. Yes, they have not done that in the movies. I absolutely agree. And that is absolutely a conversation that should be had. I am not necessarily the right person to have that conversation. I will absolutely acknowledge uh, the the disparities in that regard. Um, but well, I'm... I can't speak eloquently on the subject because it's outside my lived experience. I would say, though, that I don't see it as... Wanda isn't lashing out or going crazy. Or going crazy. Um, In this show, to me, because of her power, it's, it's because... She's able to do all of these things because of her power. Like, the extent of her lashing out and her reaction, or her ability to, is is extremely amplified because of her power. But the, the well, actual... That's, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I wasn't, say, I wasn't <clears throat> saying that she was going crazy because of her power. Okay. I'm saying that her the fact that she's powerful exacerbates exacerbates the fact that she according to um the 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 less charitable reading of a lot of these things is women can't control their emotions ergo when they have power things go wrong uh that you don't see with male heroes and uh, <clears throat> i I mean, I don't know, because we already did this with Iron Man, though, in the MCU. Like, it wasn't handled super great, but that was the idea, the the PS, or PTSD of having done too many things and nearly died too many times in extremely fantastic ways, um, that he just kind of broke and was like, nope, can't do it no more, and uh, that was... It was a different reaction, and the, the the way he reacted was more of a, I'm just going to step away and fuck off on all of this, and that well, and opened Thor up. did the same thing, and Thor did the Thor, same thing. You know, he had PTSD in between Infinity War and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Endgame, but did not. But again. 
stepped away instead of trying to remake the world the way he wanted it to be. And like and like I said, okay. I I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. I I am not that person. I that yeah, and I I guess nobody you no know, what what I one last thing I would say to that point is yes, conversation should probably be had. Um but my two cents that no one needs to give a shit about do not don't is that I thought they did a really good job of explaining throughout the story, making me understand where she was coming from and that this wasn't, that this wasn't just an emotional outburst. Like it all felt grounded and real in something. Right. Right. So while yes, um, there, there's something to be said for that argument. I think that they knew to me, it reads as though they knew it was going to come and that they were doing their damnedest to get out in front of it in the text. Yeah, I, like I said, I, you know, I think, I think when it's all said and done, uh, one thing we could do is just go ahead and introduce the sentry at some point and just sort of balance things out. Uh, but... Anyway, uh, like I said, there were a lot of people having that conversation. Um, I I am happy to uh, to direct people to those people having that conversation. Um, I am not going to be the one to have it. Uh, is all I'm saying. Um, the other thing is. You know, there's a lot of people who are who are saying they were disappointed with the show because of one thing or another. And, you know, you and I were talking before. I I love I love theorizing about stuff. I love uh, I love the the joy of sitting there looking at things from a different perspective and coming at it with that or looking at something and saying okay where do we think this is going i enjoy that Mm -hmm. it's it's part of the fun uh of like obsessing over pop culture the way we do but if you're look we all have different expectations and sometimes those expectations are going to color your enjoyment of something. I mean, certainly, you know, there have been movies that I went in expecting one thing and it wasn't that. Uh, and so I wound up, um, you know, how do I put this? Not enjoying the thing as much as I otherwise would have because of that. But also, like, I go back and I watch it again, free of those expectations, and I wind up enjoying it more. But that's going to happen sometimes. Um, But, like, if you're upset with WandaVision and the main reason is because Magneto didn't show up, get the fuck over yourself. (laughs) Like, you're, you're, you cannot... 
your theories are going to be wrong sometimes. Sometimes they may be right. You know, I don't, I don't know you personally. I don't know how good you are at guessing shit. You know, you could be one of these people who <laughs> there was a conversation about theories and about how whacked out some of the theories surrounding Mad Men when it was airing were. Yeah. And how, like, people kept expecting it to go full-blown lost when it's just a show about ad executives and shit, you know? And, like, it's just like, what fucking show were you watching that you thought, you know, this, <coughs> that, <laughs> like, it was going to turn out that he was in purgatory or something? Like, you know. And why on earth get, do you want that? Like. Well, you know. I don't I was know. trying to remember some of the weirder theories. Some of them were things like uh, that that um, he, Don Draper would wind up being D.B. Cooper and stuff like that, which, okay, yeah. uh, I guess. But, like, I, I'm trying to remember some of the weirder theories. There was one about how, like, Pete had been shown with a rifle at some point, so people thought he was going to go postal and shoot up the office. Yeah, or something. I remember that, and like, and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, your theories are going to be wrong sometimes. No, but I can't imagine a single person. I don't know anyone who has been one hundred percent with every guess they've made about a show. Uh, I like being wrong. <laughs> it's better because I well, don't. Well, see, like I don't. I think I'm a smart guy, probably, right? But I'm also crippling anxiety and uh, self-confidence problems. So when I'm wrong, I'm like, well, yep, of course. Cause that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> I am an idiot. Uh, yeah. But like, I've never, I don't understand the folks who have such, I don't understand you if you have such self-worth that you are can be pissed when you're wrong about something that you have no control of. Yeah. It's so weird to me. And like yeah. I'm almost jealous, but then I rem- then I remember who we're talking about and I'm not jealous at all. Um it's very weird. Uh yeah. But yeah, like to me I'm wrong all the time, guys, and it's fine. Like um I'm still I I still get up. I didn't, I didn't tie whether or not a certain character shows up in this show to my identity. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, news. So, I this is this is worth mentioning because I find I think this is worth talking about because I find it interesting. Okay. Um. Infinite Destinies. There is a there is a storyline coming up in Marvel Comics involving the Infinity Stones. Uh, and what I find interesting about it is the fact that it's going to be done like an old school crossover. In that instead of... Uh, Instead of it being a miniseries with tie-ins or whatever, 
uh, it's going to be taking place across like nine or ten different annuals, which is the way these things used to happen. Um, you know, you would they would do if it wasn't like a big event, then they would do a bunch of annuals from a bunch of books that all tied in to a storyline. Um, so I don't know. Just a fun little throwback for me. Um, you know, like, this is how I remember it being when I was a kid. Uh, you would you would be buying annuals of, uh, of a book you read, and it would just be like, you know, uh, oh man, this, is, this deals with the return of Proteus. I'm not buying New Warriors annual, though, so I guess I'll never know. <laughs> like... Stuff like that. Um, you can't trick me into buying new warriors. You know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so there was that. Um, the other thing is uh, there's a new Shang-Chi annual or annual ongoing coming. Uh, it's going to be by the same creative team who did the Shang-Chi uh, miniseries that recently ended. Um and the way they're the way they're selling it is I'm not I'm not sure how to feel about it. Um, I enjoyed the Shang Chi miniseries um, because a lot of it it has to do with uh, it turns out that Shang Chi has a bunch of siblings. Um, each of whom is like the champion of a different house under his father. Okay. And that each of them, each of them, it's like uh, house of the saber, house of the hammer, house of the hand, which is what Shang-Chi was champion of, uh, house of the dagger, house of the staff. And each of them has a champion and so on and so forth. Um and the miniseries dealt with Shang-Chi finding that out and assuming control of uh, four of the houses. Um, and this new ongoing is going to be, I guess, about him, at least initially, uh, turning that apparatus to its original purpose, which was to safeguard China. He's going to extend that to safeguarding the world. Um, this is, and the way they're selling it at is this is going to put him at odds with people he's known and fought alongside and stuff like that. Um, we'll see. Uh, if the creative team is the same, then I think it's probably going to be interesting to read at the very least. Um, but I, the whole, like, let's take a thing that's been evil and turn it for good thing has been done. Right. That's not, that's not to say, like, everything's been done. Right. Like, uh, you know, the, that's not to say it's bad. I'm just saying it's been done before to varying degrees of success. Um, 
And I guess that's what concerns me is that we've seen it go well and we've seen it be really shitty. Uh, so we'll we'll see. Um, one other thing I did want to talk about that I forgot to uh, bring up when we were getting ready. Uh, Korvac is apparently going to be the villain in Captain Marvel 2. And seems apt to discuss that since we just read that not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, cool. Huh. We're getting we're getting Kang and Korvac in the next phase. <laughs> um, so that's that's interesting. That's a lot of things. That is a lot of things. Kang stories hmm. are a lot like Korvac stories, though, in that they're either really good or shit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I really hope our big bad isn't Kang, because that's a fucking time travel thing. And I and we, we already, just did time travel. And we just did a time travel thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's do comics. Uh, comics. Uh, Marvel team up number seventy four oh, has a cover. By Bob Hall, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Bob Hall, inked and colored by Marie Severin, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Annette Kowacki, and edited by Bob Hall. Uh, we were having so much fun talking about something else that I literally forgot that this was the first thing we're talking about today. Yeah, it is. Uh, go for it, bud. Uh Mary Jane and Peter go to see a taping of Saturday Night Live hosted by Stan Lee with musical guest Rick Jones, who does not appear in the issue. Um, and then a ring mailed to Jim Belushi uh, becomes the catalyst for a showdown with the Silver Samurai. Um, I love this issue because it's so goddamn dumb. So keep that in mind. Whenever whenever I talk about how much I love this issue, it is not because I enjoy the issue. I enjoy trying to figure out the confluence of events that led them to do this. Oh, um, I mean, mountains of cocaine, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's a, <laughs> we're starting there. That's the baseline. And the thing, the thing that I, the thing that I enjoy about this is the fact that you look at something like, <coughs> like Jim Belushi going up against uh, Silver Samurai as his Samurai Deli character, and you look at it and you're just like, oh my god! But then you stop and think about how. Jim Belushi was no, was more narcotic than man. <laughs> yep. And I can actually kind of see him being out of his goddamn mind on pills and just being like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Um, I actually like that in the issue, too, though, Silver Samurai turns a corner, sees Belushi in the getup, and is like... Whoa! Cultural appropriation much? And Belushi's like, oh my god! <laughs> and then defends himself 
from the Silver Samurai. Again, probably because he's more narcotic than man and is able to do so that way. Uh, it's... I, I just, I love that. You fucking asshole. And it's like, yeah, it is pretty insensitive, isn't it? Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the, that's the thing that I, that's the thing that I love about conversations surrounding, um, surrounding depictions like this in older media. Um, where people are just like, well, things are a product of their time. But then you look at things like this from that time. They know where what... people are still just going like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And it's just like, no, they knew. Yeah, they knew. They knew. They just weren't getting in trouble for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the difference. Everyone's pissed off about, like, woke media and all that. But it's like, no, 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 no. We've always known yeah. We were being assholes. Oh, yeah. Just nobody gave yeah. a shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> the right kind of people were okay with it. And so, yeah. Eh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, and even, it, it's it's like a, it really is that the, the Jim Belushi point as the Delhi Samurai and then the Silver Samurai calling that out is really Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. Because it's <laughs> like... No, this isn't good either. <laughs> I mean, it's a white writer writing <laughs> Yeah, this. exactly. But like, yeah, I mean, this is a white writer acknowledging that like, yeah, this isn't okay. Hint, hint, C.B. Sibolsky. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. Continue and, to be an ass. Um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a weird... There are so many of these things that... Um, that I find special comics where, you know, the incontinuity things where random people appear and we're, and we're just expected to treat it as a part of like what's happening. Like Yuri Geller appearing, uh, like president Obama appearing in an issue of Spider-Man yeah. Stuff like that, I enjoy because it's just, it's such a weird uh, elephant in the room kind of moment. More so than when they do a separate issue that's like a giveaway to schools or something. Right. I love the ones where it's like, and now, <coughs> Don Rickles for no apparent reason. <laughs> Don um, Rickles is here, and you have to deal with the fact that Don Rickles is ex exists here. Yeah. He's somewhere else when you don't see Don Rickles. He's still here. Like, <laughs> Bill Murray exists in the in 616, and I have to deal with that. Like, yeah. he could pop up at any time, and should. I'm I, I like the idea of Bill Murray as he exists in the real world, where he just crashes parties. Mm-hmm. Existing like that in the 616, where Bill Murray just crashes supervillain fights. And he's just like, hey, what's up, everybody? And, and they're just like, Bill Murray? <laughs> I still love the... And I think this is has been proven wrong. But, like, he... Uh, 
you know, the tap on someone's shoulders and or cover their eyes from behind them. And then when the person turns around, he just goes, no one will believe you. And leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that he did, like, the idea of him doing that to Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man trying to convince Wolverine later on that, no, really, it was Bill Murray. And he's like, sure, bud. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Yeah. It was on the fucking street. I just stopped this fucking... Uh, purse snatcher i turn around bill and hand it to the lady and it's bill murray standing there too and he's like hi and he leaves and nothing else was said yeah Yeah. well too bad i I don't i do not believe that happened oh man yeah Yeah. uh it it kind of sucks that so this doesn't get reprinted anymore um, like if you buy a trade paperback of Marvel team up, yeah, this will not appear in there because they don't have the rights to their likenesses anymore. Right. And that is a pity to me. Um, because it means you either have to go out and buy this issue individually, which why on earth would you, unless you're me, <laughs> uh, or you have to like find it online and read it. Um, and, that's such a pity to me. I want I want this issue out there. I want people to like soak it in. Soak in it. Well, you sit there and you you enjoy this wrongness. Like and I think it's I mean it's it's not a bad thing to do. Like we need to remember that this kind of shit happened in comics, right? Like everybody you know, a lot of the conversation around comics or the franchise and properties is, well, this isn't the way comics used to be. And it's like, no, comics are dumb as hell and have been dumb as hell forever. When they yeah. got grimdark was when they got bad. Like, yeah, when they started taking themselves too seriously is when they got bad. This, yeah, the, this is stupid it. and we should have it out there as evidence that it was dumb. You know, there's a there's a difference between taking things seriously, yeah, and being up your own ass, yeah, and that and that's the fundamental. Like the people who were working on this took it seriously, in as much as they got the likenesses as close as they could. They did not like nobody was sitting there going like, ha. This is really fucking dumb. Like, they treated it like an actual... This was actually a thing that happened. It's um, it is a, it's a comic book still, right? I'm not saying that it's yeah. stupid. I'm saying that everybody... Invo- or I'm not saying that it's inherently... Everybody involved took it as, ex- as exactly seriously as it is meant to be. Which is to say, it's a comic book about the cast of NSL, SNL fighting Silver Samurai with spider-man and, yeah and stan is there like you know and my, Lord is my, there. my major complaint is that we've not gotten one of these ever again like i would love to see every so often an issue where the cast of snl teams up with a superhero and you know like it's just stupid as fuck but whatever yeah. um i but yeah they, anyway. they but yeah you're, you're right they everybody does Everybody does their job, but the job is this. So, 
Yeah. yeah. So they take they take it seriously, but it like when you when you talk about too seriously. Yeah. That's the that's the problem. It's the too seriously where you disappear up your own ass about like a dude has the proportionate strength of a spider. That's that's objectively kind of dumb, but also <laughs> like that's not to say it can't tackle serious subject matter, but yeah. just like you know be serious about it, but don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MJ gets propositioned by by a complete stranger while in the balcony. The well, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're during the during the period where MJ is constantly like, she's constantly got other guys sniffing around, and because of the issues she and Peter are having, she's like okay with it, like. Yeah. You know. But she doesn't leave so. with the dude. She goes to the bar afterward with Peter. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're... She's got dudes sniffing around, but everybody... Ev- all the guys that are, are fucking lame to her. And again, yeah. what is your... Your scale, lady, is so fucking weird. If, <laughs> if Peter Parker is cool and other dudes are lame... I don't understand you and I need I need a diagram like what what do you where does where does I don't know uh Paul Newman fall on this scale right weird to go straight to Newman but okay yeah know, it's the 70s yeah Paul, I guess he was I'm I'm just saying know. you could you could start you could Who start was cool in the 70s I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you could start with like okay let's let's get a baseline where where does Gabe Kaplan fall like you know um but Henry anyway Kissinger yeah. give me a, give me a <laughs> I need a pl- scatter plot uh in ter- in terms of physical attractiveness, probably a nine. But in terms sure. of war crimes, <laughs> also ooh, a nine. <laughs> that that takes him down. That takes him down. I don't uh, know. There anyway. were some quality war crimes. Let's. Uh... Yeah, but we're when with war crimes you want a low number. <laughs> oh, that's where I always get it wrong. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway, we've spent a long time talking. <laughs> anyway. Marvel Team Up number 75 is written by Ralph Macchio, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Al Gordon, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Tom Orzakowski. Uh, Spider-Man and Luke Cage team up to take down the Rat Pack, and in the process learn that firefighters are the real heroes. Okay, I was gonna say that we do this in comics every once in a while, right? Where it's like, cops or firefighters are the real heroes of New York City and blah, blah, blah. And most of the time it sucks. I actually thought this time was done fairly well. Because they let the actions of the firefighters speak for themselves. And then it's only commented on once at the very end. Where they're like, man, that guy got fucked up. Yeah, they, these guys actually put their... They're way more likely to be murdered than one of us. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're... Damn, and they know it, too. Like, that's... The, the problem... 
Here's the thing. I don't mind the firefighter ones. The cop ones bother me. And not only because of real world issues, but also the fact that in order for superheroes to be a thing, cops have to be really shitty at their jobs. Like, and so, and so you, you we're, you have this weird line that <coughs> comics are forced to walk wherein law enforcement is inept enough that superheroes are constantly having to pick up the slack and at the same time, they're the real heroes here. And that's, that's messed up. <laughs> like, but like I said, that's just, I like, that's how, before you even consider yeah, the, the, the real, real life issues that law enforcement has. What? I was going to, well, I like how we've seen it a few times in Dr. Strange and Defenders, like the people surrounding Gene DeWolf and how some of them are just like, you know, cops doing their jobs, 70s New York City cops. And then like some of the detectives are complete idiots and or assholes. And it's just like, oh, it's just a workplace where there are people. I like that one's better. That's a better depiction to me. Um, All right. I mean... If you were to if you if you were to uh, to carry it over into real life, it would basically come down to, um, yeah, it's a workplace, but it's just that it's a workplace where a startling number of them are in white supremacist gangs. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we get to the bulk of what our reading is this week, which is. Master of Kung Fu, number 61, uh, which has a cover by Jim Craig and Sal Trapani, written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Jim Craig, inked by John Tartaglioni, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Peter Iroh, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, As everybody kind of deals with the fallout of Lego saying, I'm nobody's woman, Um, Shang-Chi being the emotionally underdeveloped person that he is, takes that as a breakup. Um, and Leiko, for her part, Leiko did nothing to really disabuse him of that notion, but he, he does. He's just like, I also get the feeling that there's something in between, there's time in between that moment and where we pick up here that... Right, exactly what you're saying. She could have gone over and been like, hey, this is what I meant. Why right. haven't I seen... Hey, where have you been? Why haven't I seen you? And he'd be like, because you, I'm no, you're no one's woman. And he, she'd be like, no, idiot. That's not what I meant. Right. Like, I yeah, meant, no, she does get, nothing to... You don't get to control me. But, like, I still want to, you know, make out. Right? Yeah. Um. So everybody's dealing with that. She, meanwhile, like... Lego is really frustrating here because over the course of this reading, she's like, well, I want to be with Shang-Chi. I just didn't appreciate his attitude. But then also she's like going to see Clive and she's like butthurt that he's dating uh, Miss Greville. 
and all this shit. And she's like, well, maybe I made a mistake. And it's just like, lady, whatever you're going to do, just shit or get off the pot. Like, pick pick one and (laughs) resolve that. Um, But the, the thrust of this issue is that um, a guy named Skullcrusher comes after Shang-Chi. They fight. Skullcrusher is there to kill Shang-Chi before he leaves London, even though Shang-Chi had no intention of leaving London. But then at the end, he gets a letter from Juliet uh, that makes him go, oh shit, I've got to leave London. And apparently um, the letter had arrived to... MI6. Two MI6, yeah. Yeah, some time ago, but he hadn't, you know, he quit um, and all right. that, so, blah. And MI6 apparently took the took the opinion of, well, fuck him. <laughs> so, you know. Um, but yeah, so, he decides to head off to Hong Kong to deal with Juliet shit. Now, Juliet last appeared in the issues with the cat. Um, she and the cat were in love. Uh, he like, didn't really believe that she loved him. So she like stabbed herself in order to prove it. And then he's just like, Oh wow, I guess you do love me. Uh, there were a lot of problems with this kind of relationship in media, wherein it's just like, you know, Nobody can do these grand romantic gestures all the time. Assuming you believe that stabbing yourself is romantic. I don't agree. (laughs) Let's say you are a twisted enough individual that's just that you're just like, well, I just don't really believe anyone loves me unless they're willing to stab themselves in the chest for me. Okay, bro. But like, (laughs) damn, (laughs) People can't be doing that every month. Like, Which actually is what they they tackle that in, yeah. these, in this story. Well, okay, we'll get to that. You got to enjoy spending time together. You've got to be able, like, you've got to be able to not only enjoy the parts around them, you've got to be able to deal with, like, you know, we don't really get into a lot of their, like, life outside of that maybe the cat has sleep apnea and her choice is between listening to him stop breathing in the night or have to deal with his CPAP machine maybe she farts like a motherfucker (laughs) after she has broccoli like these are the things that make up a relationship the grand romantic gestures are like one thing in a you know yeah but it's also like drugs Right. Like if you do the, if you do it more and more and more and more, then the hit, the high doesn't hit you as much. Right. Right. And that's what you're asking is. Well, that, yeah. Like the net, if you take, say anything as an example. Okay. Oh, Lloyd Dobler stands do outside. <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Yes. Okay. This grand ro- quote unquote romantic gesture, even though. His romantic gesture is standing outside her window, blaring the song that played the first time they fucked. But it's it's held up as this romantic move, whether it is or not. Um, He does that. Like, what's going to happen the next time they fight? He's going to do it again? No, 
because you've already done that. Now you've got to go for like until eventually he's having to like, you know, yeah, you can't you can't base a relationship on those gestures or you're never going to be it's never going to live up to that. Um, So uh, (laughs) Master of Kung Fu number 62 has a cover by Jim McCraig and Tony DeZuniga lettered by Karen Kish. Um, a masked figure who we later find out is Juliet, uh, is offloading some stuff at the Jade Peacock. A bomb goes off. The owner of the Jade Peacock is killed. Um, and it turns out that that is the cat's brother. Um, as this is going on, Shang-Chi shows up at the Jade Peacock looking for Juliet blah 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 whatever they're reunited um yeah um i don't reston and okay this is where reston and Laco are have a bit of a does reston leave Laco in his house i mean probably i think so but like who cares Whatever. Everybody shows up in Hong Kong eventually. Yeah, like, everybody goes there individually. Laco, Blackjack Tar, Reston and Ms. Greville, um, and, like, everybody goes there. They all just sort of filter in. This is the thing that I like. This is, these issues, everybody just kind of wanders to Hong Kong. And then everybody kind of just wanders into Kogar's base, but we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Master of Kung Fu number sixty three has a cover by Gil Kane and Terry Austin. Kogar, uh, we are introduced to Kogar, who it turns out is behind Skull Crusher trying to kill Shang Chi, but we find that out later, and he has, um, like so you've got. Skull Crusher, who shows up again, and Pavane, um, and then Kogar. And we find out that, like, all of this shit that Juliet is moving uh, around is of interest to both the cat and Kogar. So, yeah. We don't know why yet. We find out why, and it's super annoying, but whatever. Um, it's the least ec- yeah okay we'll we'll get to that it i get why everybody's about it but it's like this is the dumbest possible way you could move information oh yes like um, i guess I, if security you're never gonna get the whole picture right like there's absolutely anyway we'll yeah get, we'll get there we'll get there uh Master of Kung Fu number 64 is a bit of a, is a filler issue, basically. Uh, This was actually my favorite issue of this week because we kind of get back to Fu Manchu fucking with uh, Shang-Chi's head. Um, This has a cover by Paul Galassi, written by Scott Edelman, penciled by Mike Zack, inked by The Tribe. Colored by George Russos and lettered by Annette Kowacki. Uh, Shang-Chi happens across an old friend uh, who was taken away by his father 
at a young age. Uh, this seems to happen a lot because even the Shang-Chi miniseries that we were talking about earlier, they did the same thing with one of Shang-Chi's siblings where uh, <laughs> Fu Manchu, although at that point it was then Zhu, Zhu, Zheng Zhu, um, disappears somebody that Shang-Chi is close to. Uh, but then it turns out that their entire relationship has been, just been Fu Manchu fucking with Shang-Chi, and even their running into each other here uh, was a manipulation. And then the guy tries to kill him, winds up jumping onto the third track in the subway, and Shang-Chi's like, man... This is getting tiresome. <laughs> and it's like, I don't blame you, man. And that's that's the thing that I... That's what I think I find most interesting about Shang-Chi. Is that not only... Not only do his problems dealing with others... Stem from... His own sheltered upbringing. But also from the fact that... Every relationship... He has had in his life has been so utterly manipulated by Fu Manchu so as to make him make it so that the only person he trusts is Fu Manchu that yeah like I don't blame him when like every relationship he has is just like are you gonna like not only am I having a hard time uh, dealing with this on an adult level because this is literally the only adult relationship I've ever had. But also, like, how do I know you haven't been sent by my dad to fuck with me? So, because literally everyone has. Everyone and, ever. And sometimes my dad then shows up and murders the people that he sent to <laughs> fuck with me. So, like, there are... A, there are levels to, yeah. like, I can trust that I could kick your ass if necessary. That's about as far as I can go. And yeah. that's, that's, yeah, dude, that yep. sucks. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, it doesn't help when, and I think that taken in that context, it makes a lot more sense whenever, you know, Petrie and uh, Nayland Smith are like, okay, so we're going to do a bunch of uh, Black Dagger, you know, Cloak and Dagger stuff. And he's like, fucking no. I just want yeah. someone, I just want one fucking person to tell me the truth about literally anything. Yep. And I will follow that person to the end of the earth. And, yep. th and then someone will. And he's like, yeah, but I can't trust you. Fuck! <laughs> like, yeah. so... And that's why he gets pissed off at Nayland Smith, especially, for lying to him and manipulating him. And then when he comes clean on it, he's like, I fucking told you not to do that. And Nayland Smith's like, oh yeah, no, I promise. I'll never do it again. And it's like, this is what my dad does all the time. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that is, that is one thing that, uh, I, I find endlessly, and I, I don't think it's something that will be, 
able to be done forever. And thankfully, in the more recent appearances of Shang-Chi that I've read, it's not. Um, you know, and I'm so glad because, you know, so much in comics is about keeping the status quo quo-y uh, that, you know, characters aren't allowed to evolve. And fortunately, it doesn't seem as though Shang-Chi has been shoehorned into this role forever. So that's good. Well, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, even the cat, or cat, is much, much different later on. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think I, I like him... I don't like him as abusive boyfriend, but I like him as a uh, counterweight. Like he's been out here. He's got more of a, a individual uh, personality. Um, I don't know. It's a bad personality, but he's got <laughs> one. Um, yeah. And that's interesting. I'm trying to, to think what else I've seen him in other than Cable Deadpool. I was. That's the only other thing I've seen him in. Oh, okay. Uh, I just, uh, I couldn't remember. Was it? De- was he in Deadpool at all? I don't know if he was ever in Deadpool offhand. The the one thing I do remember was that it was the same storyline where they made the jokes about because uh, they had the daughters of like Batroc the Leaper and uh, Tarantula, and somebody had said to them like, "I cannot tell you how surprised I am." to find out that Batroc and the Tarantula were straight. Uh, <laughs> it was that same story uh, uh-huh. that he appeared in. But anyway. Um, so Master of Kung Fu number 65 has a cover by Ernie Chan and is written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Jim Craig, inked by Ricardo Villamonte and John Tartaglioni, colored by Francois Moulet, uh, lettered by Joe Genova- Genovese, edited by Jim Shooter. Um, in the course of things, we've started. We start finding out why everybody is after these crates, and it's because they have drugs in them. But those drugs, each each packet of drugs contains a micro dot, which contains an infinitesimal piece of the blueprints, as we find later on, for a neutron bomb. Um, like but, I understand if you're going to be transferring the plans for a neutron bomb through China that you probably want to break the plans up so that you can uh, you know for security's sake there but is, there's 5,000 th- of 5, them there's 5,000 of them you know what you get at the end of this trip even if it goes well even if none of this bullshit happens no neutron bomb because you're going to lose something, right? Yeah. There's five fucking thousand of them. There's no way. You're going to lose well, not, the firing not only, pin. Not only that. Not it's only not going to be that. like the chassis you lose. <laughs> not only <laughs> that, but assuming you get there with every single micro dot intact and in one place, then you have to go to all the trouble of having your people piece it all back together. Like, I understand why you would not want to have just like here are the plans okay but like i don't need five thousand fucking pieces 
that I'm then going to have to put back together again. Like, yeah, that's, you're that's... by the time, by the time, by the time you get a neutron bomb, by the time you have, uh, by the time you have moved all the pieces, found them all, counted them to make sure they were all there, gotten the plans, pieced the plans back together, built the neutron bomb, collected all the parts, all of that, got it all together. You're going to be so old, people are just going to be like, let him have it. What's he going to do? He'll be <laughs> dead tomorrow. Like, what's he going to do with the neutron bomb? But anyway, um, as all of this has happened, like we said, you know, people are slowly filtering in. Blackjack Tar... Blackjack Tar is one of my favorite parts of all of this because he goes undercover um, as Blackjack Blue. And it's just kind of like, I don't think you quite grasp the notion of undercover. If you go undercover and you are using the same nickname and just changing the last name, that's not much of a cover. Like... You're like, all it takes is just one person being like, you know, I once had a run in with a guy named Blackjack and he looked a lot like you. Yeah. And it's just like, no, nah, that was a different guy. <laughs> different guy. Really? really? Yeah, that was Blackjack Tar. Yeah. I'm Blackjack okay. Blue. And it's just like, you'll pardon me if I go ahead and put a bullet in you just to make sure. <laughs> But anyway, this they is all... an international crime ring I'm running here. Uh, I don't really have the luxury of just trusting everyone that uh, when I suspect that maybe they're part of, you know, international crime police. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and shoot you. Sorry. Yeah. Bang. No offense. Uh, and this guy, Togar is such an asshole about it because he's basically like immediately like what's up with you he's like and blackjack's like oh i'm just you know a guy that works for you now and he's like no something's up with you but i'm gonna keep my eye on you and it's like no just fucking kill him like you idiot you're dead on you're right what yeah well and i my what i love is the fact that like they go through all of this, and, like, Blackjack Tar is just like, so, what's the plan? Where are your base schematics? What would you say are the biggest weaknesses in this base? And Kogar is just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, you're on the team, but, like, that doesn't mean I trust you, bro. You just You got get to it. carry boxes. Like, that's it. I don't even know um, why I'm talking to you. My other, my other favorite thing... Uh, about like the overall uh, there are several things I really enjoy about this one of them is uh, Kogar's weird salacious crumb yeah. underling here who's <laughs> just constantly like <laughs> and it's just like okay <laughs> what's that guy's deal <laughs> yeah. his name is Sklar okay <laughs> alright <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Like, what is, don't, what is he doing? <laughs> don't, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere with him. Just so we yeah. know. Just so, every, he's my right hand man. Okay, Kogar, you're weird. Yeah. 
All right, so that brings us to Master of Kung Fu number 68, which has a cover by Dave Cockrum, penciled by Jim Craig and Mike Zack, inked by uh, M. Hans, uh, Ricardo Villamonte, John Tartaglioni, and Pablo Marcos, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Joe Rosen. Shang-Chi and Juliet uh, are on the run from Kogar's men, they try to lose them and kind of fail, uh, but they they manage to fight off the men that followed them. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, it's it's fine. This issue has Shang Chi kicking some dudes' asses, and really, like in an issue of Shang Chi, that's the main thing I'm here for. <laughs> like. Yeah, we get so bogged down in all of the, uh, all of like Clive Reston's bullshit and Blackjack Tar and De Dennis Nayland Smith and all of these people. And it's just like, you know, sometimes I just want to see Shang-Chi Shang throw hands. And like, what was that episode? There's... It was in Premiere. I think it wasn't even in Master of Kung Fu early on where he infiltrates that tower in New York and it's just yeah. him going from room to room kicking ass. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can do that again. That, that'd that be fine. And I'm not saying I... it has to be that every time because there's not a lot of character development that goes on there. Um, but again, like I was saying last time we recorded with... Uh, Miss Marvel, I think. I really, really wish they would let this be his book. Right? Yeah. Um, instead, it's a bunch of side characters and a dude who... Uh, all the side characters trick into fighting for him, for them constantly. Like... Yeah. It's... that. That's the thing. It's like there's a very fine line to walk yeah. with a supporting <laughs> cast. Um, and it's... Even even the best examples don't do it all the time. Um, you know, Spider-Man has a really good sporting cast, and sometimes Spider-Man winds up being swallowed up by the supporting cast, and other times there's barely any supporting cast, and you're like, hey, what's Aunt May doing right now? And it's it's a very it's a very difficult line to walk. It's made worse by the fact that like several of the several of the supporting characters I really don't like. Yeah. Like Leiko, I don't mind. Um and I you think know that, her sorry. I think that that would be how Leiko is my entrance drug into or is my gateway into the rest of the supporting cast, but like they yeah. need to shore up their relationship. Yeah. In a way that makes sense. Um, yeah. So that, because right now, especially with it's like, like she was right with the I'm no one's woman, stop it, you assholes. Like she was right yeah. to say it. that, it, And, she, you know, it was in her prerogative to even say it that way. But then, like, if she still wanted to be, like I'm trying to keep this so that she still has agency here. If she still wanted... Shang-Chi in her life, then she needs to be like, oh, right, he's a man-child and doesn't understand yeah. how any of this relationship stuff works. 
interpersonal is not really his thing. I need to go to him and explain what I meant. Um, yeah. And then he can grow from that, right? Right. Like having him go, oh, I didn't understand both I understand now and I, you're absolutely right. Like you right. are, I, I, you are not a thing that I own. Right. Okay. That makes well, sense. Situations like this are difficult for anybody. Right. Like interpersonal relationships have a lot of pitfalls that anyone will fall victim to. When you add the fact that Shang-Chi was a train, was raised in isolation and trained to be a living weapon and so on and so forth, that doubles that. So, you, you know, like, I, and I think that's the thing Laco is realizing too late in this week's reading is that she can't, she can't approach this the way she does with, like, Clive, who, you know, has a lot of experience with women. She's got to come at this with, this is this dude's first rodeo. Yeah. And so, you know... Don't treat him like a child, but also understand that the complexities of of romantic relationships are still a mystery to him. And he's getting um, horrible examples all oh around yeah, him. Absolutely. Like, all of the examples that he's seeing for like the way this is supposed to work are terrible. So yeah. like Juliet and, the cat or a cat, that's a bad way to start. Like, and that was one of his yeah. first run-ins. Well, I guess Laco, like he sort of realized he had feelings with for Laco, didn't really know yeah. what they were, uh, and then had saw Laco and Reston bang out their feelings together, and <laughs> then hate each other for it. Um, yeah. And then, like, there were, you know, anytime he's ran into, like, ostensibly any kind of trusting, not even a romantic relationship, just a regular interpersonal relationship where, like, we have to work closely together, somebody's trying to stab somebody in the back. So, like, yeah. he's getting nothing out of this. Yeah. Anyway. But, like I said, I like Laco. I'm not a fan of everything they're doing with her. Mm -hmm. Blackjack Tar, like... <sighs> you racist piece of shit. Yes. Clive Reston is the fucking worst. Sir Dennis Nayland Smith works in the background, but I don't know that I would call him supporting cast. Uh, I, I don't I think want he works to be supporting well, cast. Right. I think he is in this context, which sucks, but like, I want him to be basically like M in Bond, right? Right. Like he's there... <laughs> He comes in and he says, like, we need you to do a thing. And Shang-Chi's like, no. And he's like, well, but you kind of need to do the thing. And, like, Shang-Chi's like, fine. But then he does the thing. And then Sir Dennis turns out to have an ulterior motive. And he's like, god damn you for making me do the thing. That's not supporting cast. That's semi-antagonistic. Yeah. You know. Um, he, he, he cannot be supporting cast. Because in order to do that, you need to resolve their relationship somewhat. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So Master of Kung Fu, uh, number 67, has a cover by Paul Galassi, penciled by Mike Zek, inked by Fred Keita, colored by Bob Sharon. 
lettered by John Costanza and edited by Roger Stern. Um, this issue, everybody starts infiltrating Kogar's base because Kogar's base sucks. Like, literally, like, one person is giving, given the location because the communist Chinese have it. Yes. And, like, Blackjack Tar is taken there. Yeah. But, like, everybody else is just like, huh, a waterfall. I bet there's a base behind that. So Laco and, they... and Reston show up. <laughs> Laco and Reston both show up to uh, Reston and Melissa. But show up at different times to the MI6 branch in Hong Kong. And while they're there, they're like, well, Laco gets told about Kogar. And it, he's like, the guy telling her about it, the British dude is like, yeah, but nobody's ever been able to find where the base is. We have it. We have an area but nobody knows where it is. And he's like, she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go look for it. Cause you suck. And then and literally and Reston, the next thing you see. And, well, and then Reston shows up like an hour and a half later and he's like, Hey, I'm looking for Laco and or Shang-Chi. And he's the guy's like, well, that's miraculous. Uh, Cause Shang-Chi or Laco was just here also looking for Shang-Chi. I sent her in a helicopter and a boat off to find this Kogar's place, but it's a it's a pipe dream. She's never gonna find it. And then we turn around, and she's like, "Huh, waterfall. Wonder if it's behind there." Whoop! <laughs> Holy shit! It's the size of a city, right? It's yeah. Like, hey, you should have seen this. Like, I know it's the seventies, but y'all have fucking uh, not lidar, infrared. This suit have been just hot as hell. Um, yeah. Be. No one thought to check behind the waterfall at all? Yeah. We've been uh, looking yeah. for years. And yeah. then Laco, so she gets infilt- she infiltrates it in and takes down a couple of guards, but is like, I don't know about this. Maybe I should just chill out in the background for a minute. Melissa and Reston show up on a different boat and do the exact same fucking thing, where they're just like, I bet it's behind the waterfall. However... Reston's like, that's a bit too obvious. There's a cavern up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a cave up there with some dudes outside of it. Probably that. We we should... Yeah. We came all this way. We should at least check it out. It's probably nothing. Kogar, uh, baby, what <laughs> you, what are you doing? <laughs> no, like, I'm not... You don't... I'm you not don't, had it. You don't put a hidden entrance and then just have dudes, like, loitering outside. <laughs> like... No, no, if no. they need a smoke break, they can have it inside your hidden city. I'm less irritated with Kogar. I mean, Kogar, this is this is a lapse in security, right? Sure, but I'm, tighten that shit up. Uh, tighten that shit up. You, you've got a fa- apparently a well. What I'm pissed off about is MI6 being like, oh no, <laughs> couldn't find it. He's out there somewhere. It's not fucking Rambo. This is a goddamn. <laughs> it's yeah it's not one dude like hiding yeah, among the brush yeah it's a fucking city inside a mountain that you know is there somewhere you know yeah. it's a huge base somewhere because of the scale of his operation and they can't find it even though look behind the waterfall is number one thing you do. you've seen a movie right like even if it's not you somebody checks MI6 in these is such a slapdick <laughs> fucking operation. They're just like, it's the damnedest thing. We can't find it. And like, everybody's finding it. Kogar probably has like 
uh, like Mormon missionaries showing up on the doorstep and MI6 is just like, it's the damnedest thing. They're just out there and we don't know where. Really? Wait a minute. And they come back. I just imagine this is a scene we don't get because it's dumb. Uh, they come back to Hong Kong on their way out of town and are like, oh shit, you found Kogar. Where was it? Behind the fucking waterfall. You of idiot. Course. Of course. Like, yeah. It took me 10 minutes. What got, What were you guys doing? You should all be yeah. fine. We weren't really trying that hard. Honestly. Yeah. He was just running drugs. and eh. It wasn't Whatever. drugs. He was trying to get a hold of a fucking neutron bomb. Oh. That's again a thing you should have known. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah! Yeah. So Master of Kung Fu number 68. Uh, at the end of 67... Shang-Chi comes in and he's just like, I want to join your crew. And Kogar's like, huh, okay. So Master of Kung Fu number 68 has a cover by Mike Zack, inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Gene Simek. Um, it all it all culminates in this issue wherein the cat shows up. It turns out Kogar and the cat were working together originally, but then Kogar went off the reservation, so the cat is pissed. Kogar in makes Shang-Chi fight the cat because he's like, either way I win. Uh, and so they do, but then the cat is just like, you didn't kill my brother. So this is a pointless fight later. Uh, they wind up like taking everybody down. And at the end of it, Juliet and Shang-Chi go off together and Leiko's like, well, that sucks. And it's like, well, we already covered all of this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, eh, like we spend so much time, so much time is spent on side bullshit. It would have been so much easier to have everybody come together and then we wouldn't have had to spend so much time getting them all to the same place. But because we are now insistent on having this huge cast we have to do it that way and it's idiotic but this is what we're doing now so fuck it uh so the last issue of this is master of kung fu number 69 which is inked by john toteglioni colored by mary ellen beverage lettered by G glenn simek uh skull crusher attacks juliet he's holed up at a monastery, Shang-Chi goes after him. Juliet's like, no, it's okay. He wouldn't have hurt me. Uh, and then he gets there, realizes, oh shit, she, he wouldn't have hurt me. You guys are in love. And they're just like, yep. And he's like, all right, well, bye, I guess. Whatever. <clears throat> um, this is a better issue for the fight. Yeah. Because, again, he shows up at the monastery and it's increasing levels of challenge as he fights his way to uh, Skullcrusher, who he then just wipes the floor with. Because, at this point, Skullcrusher is not a threat to me. Um, yeah. And it isn't a threat to Shang-Chi either, because he's fought him five fucking times, and each time he's learning new things, and, like, Shang-Chi's not an idiot. Um, yeah. The fight's better. 
the issue as a whole is weird. And when did they have time to be in love? Um, yeah, it it's it, I it's a we need to get Juliet out of the way um, story thing, and uh, fine. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Juliet was brought in as a love interest in order to sort of shove Laco out of the way. And now that that's done, they're just like, okay, get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, her relationship with Skullcrusher, like, it comes out of fucking nowhere. Right. So, uh, overall, though, like, there's some stuff that I thought was really funny, but I'm not sure that's what we're supposed to be going for with Master of Kung Fu. Um, the... There was some cool martial arts. Um, like I said, the the standalone issue about uh, Shang-Chi's old buddy was interesting. Uh, also, just because it kind of feels like... It kind of felt like them poking in and just being like, remember when Shang-Chi was this? Wasn't that great? Anyway, back to your <laughs> regularly scheduled spy bullshit. Um, so, yeah. Remember when Shang-Chi was exploring his incredibly fucked up past, if you think about it? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Good Back luck. to Kogar and his shitty base. Yeah. Um, Back to everything has to be... Everyone around you have to be stupid in order for this to work. It It is. It's one of the... It's, it's a classic idiot plot wherein, you know... It only works if everyone is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, changing gears, we have Marvel Team Up no- number 76, which has a cover by John Byrne and Terry Austin, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Howard Chaikin, inked by Jeff Acklin and Juan Ortiz, colored by Carl Gafford, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Bob Hall. Um, following an attack... By the Silver Dagger. Uh, remember him? Uh, Clea is taken prisoner in the Orb of Agamotto because, of course, she is. Uh, Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel accompany Strange to Louisiana to seek help from Marie Laveau. Um, I say, of course she is. Uh, this is a really frustrating thing that they keep doing with Clea where it's they're try they're stopping just short of fridging her yeah. um if she can I mean, literally do nothing but be kidnapped and or threatened it's and the only way people can strike it strange is because like he's he's the sorcerer supreme even if he's not like currently being the sorcerer supreme he's so massively powerful that the only way people can think to attack him <coughs> is through Clea. And for the people in the world, in that world, that makes sense. You go for any weakness you have. But uh, but from a writing standpoint, it robs her of any agency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's really tired and hacky. Uh, but this is where we're at, so this is what we're doing. Uh... And then Marvel Team-Up number 77 has a cover by John Romita Jr. and Al Milgram 
and is inked by Jeff Acklin, colored by Mario Sen, and edited by Al Milgram. Uh, we wrap things up with Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel fending off Silver Dagger in the real world as Strange and Marie Laveau are in the orb of Agamotto. He tries to free Clea. Turns out Marie Laveau is being controlled, but then she's able to stab Silver Dagger and blah, blah, blah. It's a whole fucking thing. And then everybody just goes back to their lives. I So, Marie Laveau is annoying. Because I never get a really clear picture of what the hell is going on. Um, yeah. It's... I, th- I think I'm supposed to assume that she was being controlled by Silver Dagger from inside the, the orb. But only as much as she was following the directions to the letter right. of the law not she didn't have the to follow spirit. yeah she didn't have to follow the spirit of the law or of the um orders orders so she got a she found herself some wiggle room wherein she did the thing where she betrayed doctor strange but she got to tell him about it first and yeah. that gave him just enough wiggle room to get out of it and it's yeah. like that and then she she never got told not to stab him in the back, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, who are you? Where did you come from? Maybe go away. And she's like, cool. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I liked Howard Chicken's art in this. Oh, hell it yeah. Was, it was very style. I like old school Chicken. At a certain point, his art changes, and I don't like it as much. Right. Um. Howard Chicken now, I don't like. Howard Chicken in the 70s, like where he's kind of like, he's a, got a very distinctive style. Um, I like him. I also like, so he does really interesting things when we go to like separate planes of existence and stuff like that. His right. real world stuff is uh, good. And then when we go to the fucking like astral planes and stuff like that, it's it's like uh, okay, I get you. I like it. It gets a little yeah. rougher too, which is nice. Yeah. Um, overall, though, Marvel team up this week. Like, like I said, I'm frustrated by the Clea stuff, but how Chicken's art is great. Um, it's pretty sad that the highlight, though, for me. <laughs> is the saturday night live issue like i don't want that to be the case and it's the case because of some bullshit but it's the highlight for me uh whatever uh i don't know i don't mind examining how the examination of how uh emotionally damaged shang chi is because his dad is a huge dickbag well right but that's yeah that's shang chi Uh, I was talking purely about Marvel Team-Up. Of Team-Up. Oh, God, you're going to make me pick a Team-Up to like? No, I'm just saying (laughs) overall, overall, our reading of Marvel Team-Up this week, like, the highlight for me was, uh, was number 74, which is a sad statement as to the quality of the rest of it. Uh, Because, yeah. Um... Our last, our last book this week is Ms. Marvel number 22, which has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Terry Austin, and Jim Shooter. 
and is written by Mike Vosberg, inked by Mike Zach, colored by Bob Sharon, lettered by Jim Novak, and edited by Roger Stern and Jim Salakrup. Um, Ms. Marvel gets fired from Woman Magazine, uh, goes and engages in some retail therapy, heads home and discovers a surprise party where everybody's like, sorry, you got fired. Um, she blows that off to go fight Deathbird. Um, whom she'd fought earlier in the issue after when she left the bugle, she just went to the roof and flew away and got uh, ambushed. But uh, Deathbird Deathbird fucked off after that. Um, and then the party happens and in the middle of that, she's talking to an incredibly pushy Michael Burnett. Uh, yeah, he was weird in this because he's like, I will make you my wife. And it's like, slow your fucking roll, bro. She seems like, to be interested in about three different dudes in this issue. So, uh, no. Yeah, like, let the woman live her life. Like, it would be one thing if if she were... um if they were in a monogamous relationship, but she walks in the door and Frank kisses her in front of everybody. She's introducing Michael Barnett to a couple of people and refers to him as her shrink and her friend. Like you don't get to make presumptions about this relationship when that's going on. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if you all had had a conversation where it's like, yeah, we're in a relationship, but I kind of want to keep it on the down low. Um, so I'm going to introduce you as my friend. But that's not happened. Like he is he is presuming so much about their relationship that she, as far as I know, has never given him reason yeah. to presume. Um, not white. So like she, he's, she's maybe given him reason to presume that she, that she might be interested in more of a relationship than they currently have, but never going steady. Definitely not. I'm going to make you my wife. And it's like, no, it's uh, a weird relationship now seems to like the most she's given him is maybe like an MJ Peter currently kind of situation where like they're going out, they're having a good time. Maybe they fuck. I don't know. It's the seventies. They can't exactly come out and be like, yeah, here's the insertion. But, (laughs) uh, but like they, you know, they're just having fun as far as she knows. Yeah. And he's just like, I will marry you that is going to happen and it's just like frankly if this dude doesn't go full toxic like i'm gonna be worried about the state of things because he is there are some red fucking flags here right. yeah um and it's it's even like uh there is a way to write this that he can be like i'm really into you and i really hope we become something more one day. I would love to marry you. You're amazing. You're the most amazing woman I've ever met. And my hope is that at some point we will get get married. But 
That's not the way this is written. No. This is written as, I'm a stubborn man and you will be my wife. Well, but it's also and it's like, just like and there are, there's intimations that he really wants to get rid of Miss Marble, too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's up to her, you dickbag. Right? If she wants, if she decides that Miss being Miss Marble is a pain in the ass and she doesn't want to do it anymore. Right. But you don't get to be the one to like... Because it, it always comes off... To dictate that. Well, it's always <laughs> smarmy as hell whenever we've got a female hero that there's a man in the background being like, now if we could just get rid of that altered personality. It's like, you just... <sighs> That's property, bro. That's not a person. You get to yeah. let them do whatever they want. If you can't handle Miss Marvel, maybe you don't deserve Carol. Like, this is... Well... And there's, there's, I understand, I understand if you're in a relationship with someone and you're like, I love you, but like, I worry about you and I will be thrilled once you decide to stop being whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one thing, but eventually that's going to come down to. You either accept that aspect of them or you leave. Like, it's it's not their job to quit for you, you know? Um, and that's, that's what we're constantly running into is these dudes who are just like, yep, not a big fan of that and we're going to put a stop to that shit. And it's like, you don't get to do that. Well, and it's more, it's even more irritating when it's... Uh, a male hero right when it's a male superhero who's like well i just want you to quit being the wasp or whatever and it's like no yep yeah you have absolutely no leg to stand on because you have no reason yeah Yeah. agreed agreed i don't know i i but i did like i did like the death bird stuff i especially Uh liked that she like a roadway is damaged in the course of their fight and Ms. Marvel is breaks off the fight to go and deal with it. But she either has to hold, she's forced to hold up the roadway because it'll fall and crush the people in the car, but the car is burning. And if she doesn't go and save them, they'll burn to death. So Deathbird comes over and holds up the, um, the roadway while Ms. Marvel gets them out. And then as soon as those people are safe, death bird just comes at her. And that's, that's what I, I really like death bird already because she is, she is the hardcore warrior, Mm -hmm. but she does have a sense of honor. She's not out here trying to kill innocents. Mm -hmm. She's out here to kill Ms. Marvel and Ms. Marvel alone. Um, and that's, that's one thing I really, I really like about her already is that she, she's not a psychopath. Right. I like, she revels in the fight and she, you know, she fights to live like, you know, but like, she's not, she's not just like trigger happy and killing anyone in the way. Fuck the collateral damage. I I really like this. I, I really, it, it's really cool to me 
or I get why people really want Deathbird and Ms. Marvel butting heads because it's awesome, right? Yeah. Like that's this is if this is what it were most of the time, like sometimes they don't really hit this kind of mark, but like I understand why writers are 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 trying to get that to happen occasionally and like no this is perfect like i i get it now um yeah kind of like in the same way that i don't really understand why we keep hitting minerva but maybe that will make sense later like because uh, her first yeah. appearance wasn't so hot um it was also very ronin anyway i loved the fight i really liked Deathbird yeah. here um yeah yeah top five top five The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. Alright, Top 5. From me, number 5, Mountains of Cocaine. Just as a concept, the 70s and 80s would not have been what they were without Mountains of Cocaine. And uh, I don't know that we give it enough due, Mountains of Cocaine. Yeah. Sometimes they don't get the recognition that they deserve. It's, a hell- it's true. It's a hell of a drug. It's been set. Um, it, it has been said, uh, but yeah, I don't, I do think, I mean, honestly, cocaine probably deserves a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. Oh yeah. Uh, we should be giving cocaine a Tony cocaine should have an EGOT, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. An EGOT, <laughs> uh, so many golden globes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, I, I but on a more serious note, I like I do it. I really think that you're right that it sucks that this this idiotic experiment isn't out there for more readily available to find because this is the kind of history that we should be sharing more often. Like, yeah, that comics are always dumb, and that's fine. Well, I think I think it's the sort of thing you know. You need to have a blemishes and all yeah. view of comics history. Exactly. That's um, what I mean. You know, you can't it's great to focus on stuff like Will Eisner. Oh yeah. It's great to focus on like all of the good things. Mm-hmm. But you also like just like, you know, world history, <laughs> you also need to have an idea of the stupid and like toxic shit we've done. Yep. To have the full picture. Yeah. Um I and mean, it's just it's the exact same way when people are like, get your politics out of my comics, and I'm we're reading it and I'm like, where the fuck have you been? Right? Yeah. That you've got a rose colored view, whether, you know, it's the politics of your comics or just that, you know, seventies 70s comics are a certain way, right? You've got a you've got a rose-colored view. They were doing stupid shit then too. Or yeah. they were doing toxic shit then too or they were doing whatever. Like they were doing all th- comics have always kind of been comics. Like this is yeah. none of this is new. Um and I think you're right that like removing this as from a as a blemish to the history is bad. We should we should be able to be able to find this more readily. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, number four. This is not how you move plans of any kind. <laughs> what is wrong with... Who came up with this? <sighs> yeah. Um, number three. Oh, behind the waterfall? You 
wait, dude, you checked behind the water and it was just there? It was just right. There wasn't like a cavern or anything. It was just right by. Huh. Okay. Good to know. Uh, number, yeah. <laughs> number two. Look, sometimes my dad murders the people he hired to mess with me. So I have trust issues uh, about my trust issues. So like yeah. you, you don't get to just. Also, I've never talked to anyone before. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm making fun, but also like that's a real thing that they should be dealing with, and not all this other spy shit. Uh, yeah, and then number one is the Deathbird fight. Uh, got me excited for. It's a, it's a good fight. Got me excited for Deathbird. Got me remembering that like the uh, gladiators are a thing. Um, gladiators. Am I, Gladiator, like all the the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar High Royal Guard is like a yeah. thing, and that X Men's gonna get fucking nuts. Like it just hits a whole bunch of like really cool things that are coming eventually, and makes me go, "Oh, yeah. this is gonna be so good." Oh, okay, okay, just yep. hold out, just re team up again, slams <laughs> head into desk. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's me. That was your number one, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. No, no, it wasn't. Um, that was number two. Yeah, no, that was number oh. one. That was number one. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, number five is the waterfall. I like, I like the idea that Kogar thought he was all slick, and was just like, "Yes, no one will know. All you have to do is, is, uh, sail into the waterfall, <laughs> and then you." But then, like, literally everyone is just like, it's the waterfall. The water, it, the it's, waterfall, it's right? It's there, the waterfall. Right? Is that where it is? And, and I like to imagine, like, Kogar, as he's being led off to jail, just being like, how did all of these people <laughs> find my super secret lair? I've oh. been evading MI6 for years. And it's like, well, yeah. it turns out MI6 is a hot dog shit. Yeah. Holy shit, you guys. <laughs> Uh, number four, I, I love the idea that just Blackjack Tar is bad at undercover work <laughs> because they're just like, what's your name? Uh, Black, Black, Jack, Blue, Jack, Blue. <laughs> Well, and even Shang-Chi like, later... Based on the way you said that, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, based on the way you said that, I don't think you are. Uh, but even Shang-Chi later, when he when he gets, he gets runs into Blackjack with Togar, and he's introduced as Blackjack Blue, Shang-Chi's like, oh, that's that must mean he's undercover, because that's the same surname that Reston used once. And it's like, again, <laughs> both of you... MI6. MI6 is just like, we have a list of approved undercover names. Really? May I see the list? Certainly. There's just one name on here. One is more than enough. And, and everybody's just like, look, if you meet someone and their last name is Blue... Just kneecap them. That, that's... Just shoot them. Yeah. Just shoot them. Just shoot them. Nothing is... I mean, like... 
you may occasionally lose out on somebody who's on the level, but more often than not, just shoot them. It's MI6. Just have done with it. Yeah. <laughs> they're MI6. They're, they're intelligence, uh, which, bad word for it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, number three, Shang-Chi is fucked up. Yeah. Like, just in it, like... Uh, we talk about this a lot, but I really, I really like how truly messed up Shang-Chi is. Um, and like, I guess as someone whose parents fucked them up, yeah. I, I get it. I am, I am right there with you, buddy. Like maybe not international cabal of assassins fucked up, but like that's relatable. Well, and it's part of the annoying thing. Like, we're not reading into this, right? Like, it's text that yeah. he has been manipulated and manipulated and manipulated over and over and over again by his dad and then his other dad and... Or by his dad and then his new dad. And, like, they are pounding this home that that's the book, guys. Why aren't you doing that one? Like, he can still do kung fu and shit. Like, that's fun. But for, as a character, like, arc, that's the book. Yeah. That's the... He's so fucked up, that's the whole book, right? Like, yeah. you could make that the arc for the entire... Until you were done, right? And Because it, it's not And finished. anything that does not add to that, is, get rid of it. It's superfluous. I don't give a shit, right? Like, yeah. Because, like you were saying, Laiko can be an a good addition to this part thing. Reston sucks. Nuke him. Blackjack Tar sucks. Nuke him. Nayland Smith can stay around and be in the goddamn background just giving him shit to do every once in a while and feeding yeah. on the the problem, right? Like, yeah. this... I, I don't know... I don't know what this movie's gonna be, but every time we read a, a, a an extended run of Kung Fu, I'm just like... Man, I hope this movie's good because it can either be fucking awesome, or they're, yeah, n or not so great. <laughs> like, and I my my most my most fervent hope is that uh, Shang Chi going forward mm -hmm. is going to because he's like I'm done with spycraft. I hope that his next job is yet another vocation where no one is what they say they are. Like I want him I want him to just go from job to job and each one progressively makes his issues worse. <laughs> like he's like, I don't know, acting could be fun and then he goes <laughs> and like everybody's phony and he's just like, "What the fuck? Is this the whole world?" <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah. Number 3 is I love the idea of Bill Murray traveling the um, the Marvel universe and just being, I want what I want is it, for it to turn out that Bill Murray had superpowers the whole time. He shows up, he like teams up with a hero, and they're just like, "Holy shit, you're Bill Murray!" And uh, and every single time he's just like, "Yeah, good luck telling anybody," and they're just like. But dude, you just put that guy through a wall and he's like, uh-huh. Did you get a picture of it? Did you get video? No? That sucks. Bye. 
fucking melts into the background too. Like that's like he's fucking cloak and just bamps his way out of there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh and number one is Deathbird. Yeah. We only we only read a single issue with her this week, but it was really goddamn good. Uh so And they did like the economy of time too because she's only literally on the five pages or something the rest mm-hmm. of it is the carol's life yeah, issues. yeah right or men being weird around her which yeah. sucks and i hope we can quit doing that but like getting fired actually you know i liked the getting fired too because i liked the way she handled it um as yeah. a and it made sense from a character standpoint that she was just like i got fired I kind of knew this was coming because Jonah and I were just never getting along. Yeah. All right. Um, I wish they would have taken a little bit more time. If you're going to make me be at that fucking party, I wish they would have taken just a touch more time with uh, Tabitha. Was that her name? The lady who she made associate editor who was Ooh, actually run- was getting her job. Yeah. Who was running, yeah. who was basically running the place anyway, got her job and she didn't want it like that was the lady she found in the bar that was like i don't even know if i can come back to do to run an editorial room and i wish they would have spent a little more time on is she gonna be okay because they they kind of made that a thing a few issues ago and it's very much this i wish they would have done something else because this the party scene with her makes it seem like yeah she'll be fine yeah. And it's like, well, what the fuck was all that? All right. Yeah. That was all you, Claremont. So, you were in charge of all of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, so that is it for us this week. Next week, we have a bunch of bullshit. Uh, I don't have the list up. Uh, an Avengers annual and some other shit. Um, and it's not pulling up right now for some reason. Uh, here we go. We have all of that. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was woefully unprepared, even though, uh, I, though and, I knew we were getting to the end. The, in- um, the annual, uh, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, more Daredevil, Power Man and Iron Fist, which is good. Right. And then fucking team up again. Because yeah. you can't go goddamn week without team up. If, I mean, eventually we will. The good news is we're burning through them. Uh, we're over. We're over no. the halfway point as far as this book is concerned. So. <laughs> no, you fucking liar! Because as soon as we burn through these, it's going to be two and one for a month for a month of Sundays. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, I am mad. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't guessed. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen. I to podcasts uh email us at watchersguide at gmail.com like us on facebook follow us both individually and at watchersguidemu and uh visit our website at watchersguide.com have a marvelous week bye